The following sermon is from the United Church of Tishomingo. Um, if you would, it would really help if you had a Bible out this morning. Uh, several verses of Scripture that I'm going to refer to as we go through this. I'm going to give you those. It's close to in order. I might have changed it a little bit while I was going through here, but here are the verses of Scripture if you kind of want to mark a place. Save time. If you just want to listen, that's okay. I understand. But we'll start out in Matthew 22, verse 36. Matthew 22, 36. Luke 18, 19. Luke 18, 19. We'll be in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. Galatians 3, 28. Am I going too fast? Okay. After Samuel, 1 Samuel 16 was 2 Corinthians 5. I'll just give you the chapter. 2 Corinthians 5, because then you'll be close one way or the other. Galatians 3. First Corinthians two, Jeremiah seventeen. But all these are absolutely necessary for what I'm going to talk about today. Um, I'm going to talk about straightforward um, the issue that we're facing in this country with the race issue and what's going on, what's happening. Um, I'm going to give you um, what the Bible says and what God says is our only hope of ever coming out of this, ever having peace, ever resolving this issue. There's only one hope. I'm going to show you everything we're doing wrong, and we are doing so much wrong, and then I'm going to show you what it's going to take to do it right, if you really care. But everybody, everybody knows that we are living in a world that right now is boiling over in turmoil. I mean, it's, that's just the way it is. All you got to do is turn on the TV and a whole lot of it revolves around race and culture and um, all of the problems that that's causing. And there's a lot of talk, and there's a lot of rhetoric, and there's a lot of ideas, and everybody's got answers, and everybody's got solutions, and here's what we're going to do, and here's what we need to do, and here's what we've done, and all that kind of stuff. And very, very few people are on the right track. And the majority of people are not saying what needs to be said and what needs to be handled. So... I'm going to say, I want you to, if you're watching online, if you're here today, I want you to listen to the whole sermon before you pass judgment. Because I've got a little bit of stuff to throw at everybody all the way around. The way we do things and the way we don't do things. And then however it hits you, then you let God speak to your heart and deal with it accordingly. But the first thing I want to do before I read any of those verses of Scripture, I want to repeat what I said a couple of weeks ago. And there's three things, and I want to say them uh, bluntly and forcefully and to the point, and I want you guys to, whichever side of this you're on or wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to do what the disciples did around Jesus, what I've been doing in my own life, where you don't look and think all these things, but you say, Lord, where am I in this? What's, what, what are you saying to me? Not what, Lord, you need to say this to them, Lord, you need to do this to them. 
But where am I in this situation? So number one, three things I want to say. First of all, no one has the right to do what the police did to George Floyd in that situation. No one has the right to do that. I don't care what you did. There comes a point in time where you have done what you need to do and you don't abuse anybody just because you have the ability or the power to do that. You don't have a right to do that to anyone. It's wrong, period to do something to someone that's in a situation where they're helpless and they're being hurt. I don't care who you are and what authority you have, you don't have the right to abuse somebody. And that behavior crossed the line from necessity to abuse. And all you gotta do is watch that and see that that's what happened in that situation. Shouldn't have done it. Number two, on the other hand, no one has a right or an excuse to bring harm to any, of any sort to innocent people. Those who are doing that are just as guilty as the policemen of improper, sinful conduct. Injustice done to you does not justify injustice coming from you. In other words, I don't care, I'm not saying that a person doesn't have a right to defend themselves, stand up for themselves. I'm not saying that a person has to sit and take injustice. I want to be very clear that you don't have to take it when somebody's abusing you. You can stand up and defend yourself. But I'm also being very clear that injustice done to you does not excuse you for committing justice, injustice upon innocent people. Nothing gives you the right to harm another person no matter what has happened to you. There is nowhere ever that that's excused. None of us, any of us, has a right to treat another person unjustly. Nothing justifies that. Dr. Martin Luther King said, hate will never drive out hate. And you will never fix wrong by you doing wrong. That's not going to do it. And that's improper behavior. And I will say, biblically speaking, me, John Hazel, for whatever it's worth, someone else's sin does not justify your sin. Someone else's misbehavior does not justify you doing anything wrong, sinful, period. And the third thing, if you truly want to find a solution to our problems, and if you wish to be a part of the solution instead of the problem, you will learn and make a habit of calling out those who are doing wrong, and you will stand up and defend those who are doing wrong, being wrong, no matter who they are. At that young man's funeral last week, I said this to the young people sitting in the audience. Now I'm going to say it to all of you. You know, that man that got drunk and got in a car and killed those young boys, there had to be somebody around. There were people around that saw what was going on and could have spoken up. Somebody could have had the guts to stand up and say, you're not going out. It's dangerous. You're not doing that. But nobody did. Nobody had the guts to speak up and call him out of what he was doing and stop a bad situation. Same with us. When somebody's being wronged, we have a responsibility to stand up and speak up. You don't have a right to sin, but you have a responsibility to speak up. When somebody's being wronged, whether it affects you or not, doesn't make any difference because ultimately it does affect humankind and human nature. And so we have to learn. The, did you know the Bible says in, in Proverbs that we're supposed to speak out for those that can't speak for themselves? It says that. I've used that when I've talked about abortion before. But a person doesn't have to be being aborted to be being wronged. And our job is to speak up for those who don't have a voice to speak up. And so as Christians, we should be speaking up and denouncing all sin on all sides and speaking up for it's wrong. So don't be afraid to hold a position. Just make sure that you're being consistent. 
Make sure that you're speaking up for everybody that's being wrong, not just one person. And so understand, no matter what race or ethnicity or socioeconomic status somebody is from, we are called to speak up whenever injustice is being committed. Now, I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. Right and wrong and good and bad transcend ethnicity. It transcends the flesh. It transcends the physical being. Are you listening to me? Right is always right, and wrong is always wrong, no matter what race or ethnicity or physical thing that we're talking about. Right and wrong never change. I don't care how much cultures change, people change. Right and wrong never changes. Listen to me. God will judge no one by their skin color, nor will he judge them by their experiences nor will he judge them by their socioeconomic status. God will and do, ju does judge all of us by our actions and by our willful choices. That's how everybody in here is going to be judged. And God's judgment will be based on his standard of right and wrong. I don't care what you think. Nobody cares what I think. God's got the only standard. And he's going to judge based on that standard. And that standard transcends race culture, and everything else. And God has clearly defined for us in His Word when He wrote the Bible what right and wrong is. Now listen, stay with me. Therein lies the root or the foundation of our problems. It is the root. It's not just, it's not just a race issue, but I'm, I'm dealing with race today. That's what I'm going to talk about. But every single problem in our nation is based on this fact right here. It's that the great majority of this nation and the world no longer reads the Bible, they no longer believe the Bible, and they no longer practice what the Bible says. That's the root of our problem. We don't read it, we don't believe it, and we don't practice it. I shared with you a couple weeks ago that the famous Christian um, pollster, George Barna, who has the stats and the data for 35 years to back it up, says and can prove that only about 10% of the people in this nation really believe, have a Christian worldview. Really look at the world through a Christian lens, through a biblical lens. 10%, that's it. And that's mostly the older people. The younger you get, the less that it gets. That's a problem because the only truth that we have is the Bible. It's the only external standard of right and wrong. Listen to me, guys. Every one of you, if you'll be honest and won't lie, if you'll look at yourself, you will sometimes shade right and wrong fitting depending on your opinion or your situation. Or where you are. The Bible never does that. This is right. This is wrong. Period. Black and white. No exceptions. But we kind of have a tendency to get away from that depending on the situation that we're in. And the further that we get away from this, the more problems that it causes. We've done everything we can to remove this and God from society. And the result is telling. We're a society that's in a mess. So today, I'm going straight to God's Word which is the only external source, excuse me, eternal source of right and wrong. And we're going to see what God says about right and wrong. And we're going to see, believe it or not, there's a lot in here about race. And there's a lot in here how to deal with the race problem. It's right here in black and white in God's Scripture. So, let's get this started. Matthew 22, verse 36. Starts in verse 36. A guy came to Jesus 
And he said, Jesus, he said, teacher, what's the greatest commandment that God gave in the law? What's the greatest one? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he didn't stop there. The guy didn't ask him. He just asked him the greatest commandment. But Jesus said, but there's a second one that's just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if we don't start there, nothing works. Listen to me carefully, guys. Our world has perverted the idea of love so much that nobody knows what real love is. Y'all understand that love is not a mushy feeling. I have a preacher one time that did a sermon called Love is Not a Blue-Eyed Blonde. Love is not this emotional thing that we go through, all these kind of things. Love is, here's what the Bible defines as godly love. The willingness to do what is beneficial or charitable towards another person. Did you know that if you would really practice love, if you would do what is beneficial or charitable towards another, how could we ever have a problem? We couldn't. But we have perverted the idea of love. We've made it sexual, especially sexual. We've made it all this stuff. we perverted it. We've torn it down. We've laughed in God's face, and we're paying the price because nobody knows what love is. Nobody knows what it means to love your neighbor as you love yourself. What real godly love looks like. And real godly love, Jesus said, watch this, here's God's command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Which he's saying, people, be willing to do what's beneficial or charitable towards others. That's love. And if you're not willing to do that, you're disobeying God. Alright. Luke 18, 19. Luke 18, 19. You can go there. I'm just going to quote it to you really quick because I want to get through this sermon today. God came to Jesus and said, good teacher. And Jesus looked at him and said, do you know what you're saying? Why do you call me good? He says, only God is good. Only God is good. Now listen to me, people. Get awake, pay attention, and, and stay with me this morning for a while, even you guys that are watching online. We will never turn a bad situation into a good situation without God doing it God's way. Because only God is good. Are you with me? I'm laying a foundation here to tell you what I'm going to tell you about race. The government is not going to do it. A group is not going to do it. A protest is not going to do it. A program is not going to do it. Money's not going to do it. Only God is good. And the only way that this bad situation is going to be turned into a good situation is if God is brought into the situation. Because only God is good. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Let's go there. I've got to give you the background really quick. 1 Samuel 16, 7. Here's your background. Alright? Uh, the prophet comes to uh, uh, Jesse's house. He's going to anoint, uh, anoint the king. And... Uh, David, who was going to be king, I can't find it right now. I'm just going to do it. You guys look it up because I know what it says. You look it up. And so, so the prophet is going down all of David's brothers because they brought all his brothers in, but they didn't bring David in. And God's going to anoint the new king. And it says that they were all big, strong, strapping, good-looking guys. And the prophet thought that it was one of them. And God says, it's not them. I've rejected them. And then he made this statement. He says, For God does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outside. God looks at the heart. Now listen to me very carefully. That's the first one where we start getting into the race issue. Okay? This is referring, watch this, to judging. God had judged those men 
on their ability to lead, on their ability to do what he... Are you listening to me? This is a judgment. Now watch, okay? Listen to me. God does not judge us on the outside. He judges us on the manners of our heart, the characters of our heart. Are you listening to me? Now look at me. If God is in you, the God who does not see the outside, but the God who sees the heart, what are you going to do? How are you going to pass your judgments on people if that God lives in you? You're going to pass them based on matters of the heart, not matters of the skin, ethnicity, race. We will see people if God is in us. Let me, an example. You're, you're a boss and you got a job application. How are you going to judge that applicant? By his or her words, actions, heart? Or are you going to look at their skin color and say, eh, I'm not sure. Are you, are, you, are you guys with me? Are you listening? Are you going to look at, you know, how, 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 you know, on the outside? Or are you going to look on the inside? Verse 7 says God sees the heart. He looks at the heart. And I'm going to tell you something right now. And I'll say this to everybody. Listen, if you're in the habit of judging people based on their skin color, there's a good chance you might not be a Christian. And you might need to really examine yourself and see if you are. Because if God doesn't see the outside, if He doesn't judge by the outside, then what right do we have to judge by the outside? We have none. Okay? Now, I want to say something here that's a misconception people say. Stay with me. Listen to me. I'm not saying you won't see race. Quit saying you don't see race. You do. Race, skin color, is a beautiful part of God's creation. We see race. I heard somebody say one time that our skin color is just a pigment of God's imagination. It's, a, it's, it's it, God created that. I want, you, I want you to think about this. He created the diversity. I want you to think about this. In the fall, we see trees turn different colors. There's reds and there's oranges and it's beautiful. And people will drive hundreds of miles and spend hours to see the beauty of the diversity of the colors of the trees. And then when it comes to people, we have a problem. That's, it's, it's the beautiful diversity that God created. Yes, you see race. It's good to see race. God made race. It's beautiful. And it gives color to the world. But we don't judge on race. So it doesn't mean we don't see race. It means we don't see that as a part of our judgment. Now, I'm just going to throw this in here because I want to say it. But that's another place that evolution has gotten us. Believing evolution and teaching it. Because if we did all evolve from the mud and the dirt, then we might say that some of us are more evolved than others. Or We could say that. You all understand what I'm saying? But if you realize that God created every man and woman and child in His own image, then it doesn't matter if they're black, white, red, yellow, brown, whatever, you're looking at a creation of God, an artwork of God, and you owe that person respect because God made them. You understand what I'm saying? Don't say you don't see race. Quit saying it. You do see it. And it's beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with it. But if you are in Christ, then race is not what you look at to judge a person. But if God looks at the heart, and God is in you, then you will look at the heart and the Spirit also, because it is from the heart that a person's actions flow. That's what we're going to be judged on. Y'all understand that? Alright, go to Galatians 3. Verses 27-28. Galatians 3, 27-28. Look at this. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Look at this. We now have on Christ. So look. And there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. You're all one in Christ. Well, do we have Jews? Yeah. Do we have Greeks? Yeah. Do we have, do we have males and females? Yeah. So what's he saying? Okay, watch this very carefully. When he says neither Jew nor Greek. He says, when you clothed yourself with Christ and you got saved, truly saved, you'll no longer recognize or judge people by race because in Christ everyone is equal. Y'all understand that the Jews and the Greeks hated each other in that culture. Y'all understand that? It was a race. Guys, race has been around forever and race hatred has been around forever. And they hated each other. But when Jesus Christ came, He said, no more. I have broken the dividing wall. I made you all, and if you're in me, you're equal. So it says, if you really live in Christ, you make no distinction based on somebody's skin color. That's exactly what he's saying. Now, I, back what I said a minute ago. I didn't see we don't see a person's race, but you don't recognize them by that. Turn to 2 Corinthians. Turn to, turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. This is... Extremely important. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. Look what this says. It says, Therefore, from now on, look at this, Paul writes, We recognize no man according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, Oh, the old things passed away, new things have come. Look at this. We recognize no man according to the flesh. Now that word recognize means regard. Regard or respect. Okay? I'm not going to regard you as something by your flesh. I'm going to regard you or respect you or judge you after I hear you talk. After I see you act. After I watch what you do. Are you all listening to me? He says, we, look at it, we do not regard somebody, we do not accept or reject somebody based on the flesh. Right there, word for word. It means that we don't recognize them based on that. In other words, if we are in Christ, we do not recognize the worth of an individual by his flesh, skin color, or ethnicity. Do not recognize them due to any trait of the flesh, but we recognize them for how they live and how they act, because how a person lives and acts tells you what's in the heart. All right, now, listen to me carefully, all right? Here's the problem. If you're not a Christian, the Bible says that you're still, watch this, it says you are a carnal person. I'm, I'm, right now, in case you're wondering, wait, waiting, I'm getting to the meat of the matter right here. I'm going to tell you why we can't fix it where we are. It's not going to happen. Watch. The Bible says if you're not a Christian, and statistics show that 90% of the people in this country are not really living a Christian life. If you're not a Christian, the Bible says you are a carnal person. You know what carnal means? Fleshly. You live by the flesh. And that type of person will look and view life through the flesh because that's all a non-Christian can see. Because, watch this very carefully. If you're a Christian, the Bible says that you're indwelt by the Spirit of God, so that makes you a spiritual being, and through the Spirit you can see beyond the flesh to the spirit of a man. 
Stay with me. If you're not a Christian and you're a child of the flesh, you're going to see and judge someone by the flesh because that's as deep as you can get. Now I'm setting this up and I'm going to prove it biblically. This is not my opinion. If you are of the Spirit, you'll go beneath the flesh to the heart of a man. You look at 1 Corinthians 2. Again, people don't believe this and they poo-poo it. And that's why we have the issue that we have because they won't listen to this. Look at what 1 Corinthians 2 begin in verse 12. Look what God says to us. Now, we have received, if you, he's talking to Christians, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit from God, so that we might know the things that are freely taught by God. Watch this. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. And we combine spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But the natural man, the man of the flesh, look at this, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He can't understand them, because he is, they're spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, but he's appraised by no man. Did you see what he says? He says, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you cannot understand this issue because they're spiritually appraised and everybody is on the wrong track with the race issue because they're not looking through the Spirit, they're looking at the flesh. And this country is going the wrong direction and it's going to get worse. Now stay with me here. Let me find my place back. I want to make a really bold statement and I want you to listen to me. Here's the problem. Our country is trying to heal race relations and that's the problem our country's trying to heal race relations that's the problem because we're not trying to heal God relations are you listening to me we are starting at the skin level and we are have been leaving out God for a very very long time but the race issue will never be healed until the heart is healed. We're trying to heal skin issues with a broken heart, with a sinful heart, with a darkened heart. Only God who is spirit can ever get you past the flesh to the heart. It's only God. Skin is not the problem. God made the skin. The heart is the problem. That's the problem. And so here we are right now coming up with all these ideas how we're going to heal the race issue. When race is not the problem. The race issue is the symptom of the problem. Y'all ever heard anybody ever dealt with alcoholism, drug abuse and that kind of stuff? Everybody knows that those things are really not the problem. Those are the surface. Those are what's surface. They're the symptom. There's another problem going on somewhere that's got to be dealt with. Are y'all listening to me? Because I've dealt with it my whole life. It's a symptom. Race is a symptom. The real problem is a sinful heart. And so you go ahead, defund the police, build preventable programs, spend all your money, do it all. But until we admit that we can never be good without God, we will never end up working this out. And our nation will not admit that we can't be good without God. We're not going to do it. We're not there right now. And all this stuff, I'm telling you right now, my prediction, John Hazel, me, it's going to fail. And it's going to fail miserably. And it's just going to continue to create divide, create divide and division and strife. 
we need to return to God and we need to get people saved. And if we ever get people saved, the race issue will take care of itself. If people get saved, the race issue will take care of itself. Quit focusing on race and focus on the heart problem where we can get people saved. We can't heal a heart problem working at the skin level. I know this is a stupid illustration, but it's the same thing. It's just dumb. If you were having heart issues and you were really sick and you went to the doctor and said, oh, here, I'm going to treat your acne. That's really bad. I think we could do that. The acne that you have, you'd go, are you an idiot? I got a heart problem. Yeah, but you got a skin problem too. It'll fix that first because I can see it and it's ugly. But the heart problem is what's going to kill you. Are you listening to me? Our doctors are trying to heal a heart problem with a skin answer. And it's not going to work. We can't do it. It's not going to happen. A Christian, listen to me. A Christian does not have to be taught that racism is wrong. Did you know that? The Spirit teaches you that racism is wrong if God lives in you. It doesn't have to be taught. The Bible says God writes His law in our heart. But an unsaved person can never be taught not to judge race because skin deep is as far as they can get. And an unsaved, an unsaved person cannot comprehend the things of the Spirit. That's what the odds word said. And they don't get it. And so most of the attempts to heal this issue based on education and training are the result of a fundamental lie that we've accepted for the truth. And here's the lie, that everybody's basically good. Now I want you all to listen to me very carefully. I'm going to read this one. Here's why not many people will ever come to this church. If I just say everybody's basically good, it's so warm and mushy and it feels and, and yeah, you know, everybody's just really good. Everybody really wants to do good, you know. And that's, I mean, we're all just, you know, we just love each other and nothing. If everybody just leave it, yeah. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is more deceitful than all else. It is desperately sick and wicked. Who can understand it? Our heart is sick. It's wicked. It's evil. There's darkness. And it has to be saved. And if you go along thinking, all the, they really, deep down inside, they really want to do good. No, they don't. They don't. No, they don't. Human nature, human nature does not want to do good because only, am I getting through? Am I getting through? Human nature doesn't want to do good. Only God wants to do good. And God has to take your sick heart and make it good. And when God makes your sick heart good, everything else will take care of itself. The race, the ethnicity, socioeconomic status, and we're going about this the wrong way and we're not going to heal it and it's not going to work because preachers want pulpits, they want the church to be full and everybody be happy and like them and love them and all that stuff. And we're all just, eh. and no, we're not, we're sick. You think I'm wrong? Look around you, folks. Look around you. Tell me who's right. And tell me who's wrong. There's only one who's truly good, and He's the only one who can make any of us good. Racism is a sin. Oppression is a sin. Injustice is a sin. But sin can only be healed from the heart out, not from the skin in. And our problem is we're fighting racism instead of fighting a darkened heart problem. And if we will get people saved, God will heal all this mess because when He heals their heart, everything else takes care of itself. Are you all listening? You, 
as God's people who have His Spirit have been commanded to stand up and speak out. But speak the truth. Speak. And, and if you want to talk to me afterwards or somebody on live wants to message me, go ahead, I don't care. But I gave you Scripture. I gave you God's Word, which most people have never heard, and talked a lot about race that this says and how we are to recognize and judge people and how we are to look at people and accept people. And if we would do that, all that takes care of itself. But we've got to get people saved first because they're not saved. And until that happens, we've got to quit fooling ourselves. They're not saved. Until that happens, this is just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't want to leave you on a bad note, so here's the hope. God says that if we walk in the Spirit, talk in the Spirit, trust in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, we can bring people to Jesus Christ. See, that's what we're supposed to be doing, church. We're supposed to be workers for the harvest. And if we would do that, race will heal itself. That's the issue. Let's bow and close in prayer. Father, I pray that whatever I said today, that it honored you. If it offended anyone, it wasn't on purpose, but I don't care. Father, only that I honored you. I'm not trying to please men. I'm trying to please you. I'm trying to do what you have called us to do, and that is speak the truth in love. And if you really love somebody, you'll tell them the truth even if it hurts, Father. You know that. You, you do that to us. It's not always speaking flowers. And so, Father, I just pray today that your words, your Scripture, your Holy Spirit would penetrate people's hearts. Because no matter what I spoke or anybody speaks, if your Spirit's not there, if you're not there, if you're not doing the work, nothing good's going to happen. And so, Father, we pray, yes, to heal this nation. We pray for you to come and make yourself known and reveal yourself. But we acknowledge that the healing must take place in the heart. And when it takes place in the heart, and people recognize that only you are God, and only you are good, and the only way to you is through Jesus Christ, then we can see all the other issues start to be healed as well. I pray for this, Father, and hope and trust in you alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.